Hey, everyone. Welcome to Queerly Recommended. I'm Tara Scott, and I am back, as always, with Chris Bryant. Hello. Welcome to episode 18, where we are now legal in both Canada and the United States. Well, legal to vote. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm like, legal for even in most of gamble at 18. Can't you? Is gambling legal at 18? I don't know. Oh, no, it's 21 here. But like 20 or like 18 and the Virgin Islands or something. Well, let's go. Oh, wait. <laughs> I can go wherever I want if I feel like gambling. In Alberta, where I live, you can drink. Oh, okay. So it's a drinking age. Mm-hmm. Only here, though. The rest of Canada is 19, as far as I know. That's if so any... weird. We're 21 here. I know. So, yeah, 21 there. I grew up right on one of the border cities. I think we might have talked about that before. I grew up in the Windsor, Detroit, like in the oh, Windsor right. side of the Windsor, Detroit border area. And the bars were so obnoxious with all the American kids that would come over to get hammered. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, what are you doing? Well, I grew up in Europe and there was no drinking age, really. So they didn't give beers to babies. But yeah, it was weird to go to like a street carnival. Uh, they, a lot of towns had, you know, the early little carnival, mm-hmm. street carnival type thing. And. And you'd see these like 10, 12 year old kids drinking beer and Fanta, which is a big drink over there. It's, they mix it. It's weird. Ew. It's, it sounds gross, but it's like the only way I'll drink beer. Isn't yeah, that weird? It sounds really gross. I think I'd rather just not have beer. <laughs> but also it's the European Fanta, not like the U.S. fully sugared, you know, Fanta. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's it's so a it's different not type of Fanta. Yeah. So you're basically just like sweetening it and carbonating it a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, you're sweetening it with a little bit of orange. It's like Blue Moon, the mm-hmm. beer, Blue Moon. Mm-hmm. You'll put an orange slice in it, you know, and make it yummy. Yeah. I mean, I think also part of the attraction of Windsor is what was lovingly referred to as the Windsor Ballet, which is actually just like all the strip clubs. <laughs> so <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But like it would, and it would also attract it would attract um what am i trying to say bachelor parties it would attract bachelor oh, parties from yeah, ohio sure. because the stripping there is just different I'm sure. than i guess in some of the states <laughs> that's oh. crazy uh nice. yeah so they were part of the stampede then right, right? okay <laughs> right so i mean stampede <laughs> moving here wasn't actually that jarring <laughs> i never actually went to the strippers though and i Still don't regret that choice. Yeah, I don't know. They're always there. They are. If for whatever reason, I desperately felt like it. But you can also just go to Pride every year. Can yeah. I tell you the story about when I went on a date with a stripper? Can I tell you yes. Okay. I, in fact, I insist that you tell this story. <laughs> so I was probably, I was maybe 28. And it was somebody I met online. Mm-hmm. And I remember. So going- it was two years ago. Right. Two years ago. It was two okay. years ago. I yeah. met the stripper online. That's right. And it, you know, it was the, it was a really weird experience. Cause I, did I know, I can't remember if I knew that she was a stripper or not. I, I don't mm-hmm. think I did know. And I think it was really interesting. Cause there was somebody, I was, I was somewhere, I was at a bar maybe. And there was somebody else that I had dated that they were there. Mm-hmm. And she was like, 
let's make them jealous. I mean, it's like any TV show you've ever seen in your life, you know, where, <laughs> like, oh, let's make them jealous and we'll just kind of make out and stuff. So that yeah. kind of happened. And then she was like, so can I get you to co-sign on some furniture? And I'm oh. like, goodbye. No, no. <laughs> so you know what that like, means? The stripping is the absolute right. least interesting part. <laughs> Here's the shitty part. I was like, for like a second, I was like, not such a bad idea <laughs> I'm like what are you thinking now oh so that no. was the end of that yeah so we did not I, I don't think we went out after that I'm pretty sure we didn't that's fair I mean that's that's a red flag right that's right, right up there with like hey we've been dating a month what if we got married although my parents did that after less wow. than a month so what am I saying I'm as I as I was saying it out yeah. loud I was like <laughs> yeah and then there's my parents who got engaged 21 days after they met they're still together though that's nice. and they're still really happy but they yeah they met um and when they met my dad was hung over so this like hung over man <laughs> was like the have, best thing for your mom <laughs> yeah goes to have a meal at this restaurant that my mom is waitressing at she was like 18 at the time and he's a few years older than her and he asked her and she was like what the hell and then i guess you know they say they just knew but this was like it would have been may or June and they wanted to get married the following December and my grandma said but does the wedding have to be then basically saying are you pregnant <laughs> pregnant yeah <laughs> because they'd been down that path before with both aunts and uncles <laughs> and they were like no it's fine so they got married the following May basically just proving that mom wasn't getting married because she was pregnant so but yeah they're you know 40 how many years have they been married now for more than more than 42 because that's my age more than 44 they've been married for 44 years wow good for and them. they're very very happy they're very cute yeah i think that's sweet so we're gonna give a real quick shout out since the last episode a couple of people have supported us through kofi again for anybody who doesn't know what it is it's a site where you can just uh you can send some money to financially support content creators like us and when Christina sent through a Kofi, she shared this note. Thanks for the great content. I've been working my way through your backlist today while working on very dull quarterly reports. And it's been much more fun than normal. Thanks for the great content and the distraction. Christina, Yay. we're so glad you enjoyed it. My condolences about quarterly reports. <laughs> Those are know, always brutal. <laughs> we don't know who the other person was because again, didn't leave a neighbor message, but you know what? Thank you all the same as well. We so appreciate anyone who supports us and no matter how you support us, maybe it's even just sending an email saying you're enjoying the show, leaving a review on Apple podcasts, telling a friend to check out the show, no matter how you support us, we truly appreciate it because it helps us grow it. And it means more people get to get queer media recommendations. And we get to talk about it and we do talk about it every like, time <laughs> just no not even on the show but like behind the scenes oh my it's gosh we, you know this person said this and so we get really excited when it comes to reviews and donations yeah. nice so thank you all yes. we did not get any listener questions this time so and we're not going to answer any 24 hour notice that's right so we will just say though uh if you do have any questions that are burning that you've been meaning to ask hit us up on all of our socials or you can email podcast at really recommended.com we are always happy to answer them on our episodes so chris yes it's that time it what is. have you been reading or watching lately Okay, so much has happened because, of course, I have a deadline coming up. So I am glued to the television. Yes, yeah, so that's right. That is your way. So 
Glow Up season three came out last night and I binged five episodes <sighs> last night alone. I'm so Ding jealous. Fucking dong. I would have watched it with you if I knew that that was what you were doing. I would have like, we could have <laughs> hopped on Zoom. We could have watched together. Oh uh, my gosh. It was fabulous. I loved it. I was like, you know, and it was so funny because, you know, I'm an expert, of course, with makeup. Naturally, I'm an yes. expert. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, the blend is off. And I, I know <laughs> I know what they're talking about. You know? uh-huh. like, are you kidding me? Like, I haven't put mascara on in like 10 years. So doesn't matter. You watch right. enough episodes of Glow Up and you're just going to know. You learn the lingo and everything. Mm-hmm. And you know what's good and what's bad and what's going to work. So that was fun. So I did five episodes of that because I can do that. I can mm-hmm. literally be on my couch for five hours and not move. It Good works. for you. Uh, oh, and then the L word, Generation Q, season two started up again. So I watched the first episode of that. Is that show good? You know, it, it's, here, here's why I like it. Because there's mm-hmm. so much representation. You know, back yeah. in the day, the L word, I don't even know when it first came out, but I was younger. And it was mm-hmm. the only rep, uh, lesbian rep that we had, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was, there was Bet. There was Alice, Tina, and Nipple Confident Shane. It was just <laughs> like those that those were my people. And so they are also in the next generation. They have stories too, but then you also have a lot of new queer people. Mm-hmm. And and the stories focus mainly on them. But you still have the backstories of of you know the the the, the women that I you know, admired and, and saw on television and it was great. So, mm-hmm. so it was a little nostalgic for me. So I was kind of, and then, but I was like, what the fuck? I don't remember any of this because the first season was however many years ago because COVID. So, oh yeah. So like the recap, I'm like, okay, I remember her. I remember him. I remember them, but what the hell? What? what? I don't remember this mm-hmm. part. So there was a lot of like, I had to rack my brain, like what was happening. I should have watched. I was just too excited. I had to jump right in, like jump. Sure. Right in. Of course naturally so that was fun so that started so i'm excited about that mm-hmm. and alone how's course. that going how many people are left so um four i keep saying four but i think that's true wasn't there five last time and that was two weeks ago no i think there was well i don't know i really don't know but i think there might be four now hmm. because like so what happens is after 45 days the contestants can use a a net, some type of net. And I'm like completely drawing a blank on what it's called, but they, they can make a net to go fish, but they can't do it prior to that. They can do fish baskets. They can like try to fish, you know, rod and reel type thing, but not really. They have to make it themselves. They just have fishing line. So they can find gill nets. That's what they're called. Gill nets because they catch the fish by the gill because the fish are swimming along. And then, and it's just like, you know, it looks like a chain link fence, but it's net. And so they're, okay. they're swimming along, they're happy, bloop, bloop, bloop. and then they get then stuck on fucked. their gills. Yeah. So, so that's why it's a gill net. Oh, I knew it would come to me. So I, maybe three, we're, we're getting close. We're getting close to the end. Oh man. But this, I respect, like, I respect that these people are doing this and I respect that like long-term camping is a thing that some people like to do, but yes. also as you're describing it, I was like, Oh, I die. That's horrible. I Very mean, quickly. One, this woman, woman is living off of berries and something else like she's had oh she she did there was a fish that washed up on shore and so that was like her only protein or whatever in 45 days no and i'm like what like no again i'm out after how much weight has she lost 
surprisingly, because the berries have a lot of calories and other things that she's finding to eat, like roots and maybe some mushrooms. So she's eating all this stuff. So she's getting like 1,500 calories a day. So she's only lost 18% of her body weight. All right. Most people, there's this one guy who gained 25, or no, he gained 45 pounds to be on the show. Mm-hmm. And he's already lost 70 pounds of it. So he's lost the 45 he gained plus an additional Whoa. 25. Oh, it's a good thing he gained that extra weight then. Yeah. But a lot of times the contestants will still, they're like totally fit and thin. And you're just mm-hmm. like, you're not going to last. No. It will not last. And they don't. So, but it's a lot of fun. I enjoy watching it. Mm-hmm. So, and then the last thing I watched this week was Disney's Jungle Cruise with The Rock and mm-hmm. Emily Blunt. Oh, I like her. Was it any good? I mean, I like him too. He's very so, charismatic. You know, I really like the storyline a lot. I fell asleep for like mm-hmm. a little bit of it. I missed some of it, but there's also a gay character in it. <gasps> no. Disney. Bravo, bravo. Way to go. I know. So it was it was it was entertaining. It was mm-hmm. busy. It kept uh, it kept your interest other than, you know, the time I fell asleep, but I must have had a really long day. I don't know. That's fair. We've been talking about watching it with the kids. It's good to hear that it's good. Yeah, it was good. It is PG-13 and there are some dark dark moments. So, and there's those, like some stabbings and so you don't really see blood, I don't think. My 6-year-old might actually take it better than my 9-year-old. My 6-year-old yeah. is into creepy things. My 9-year-old has well, a really a lot tender of snakes heart that come jumping out at you. Oh no, they won't yeah. like that. Okay, yes. Neither of them will like, like that. A lot of snakes. I'm not talking like one or two. We're talking like this is part of the uh, the curse. A lot of oh, are there spiders? There is a spider and it's in a fight with a scorpion. And they're betting on it. It's like in a bar. Oh, okay. So it's not like a spider attacking or jumping at the screen no, or something. No, nothing like that. The S word, spider, is the ultimate. Uh, enemy of the scott girls they don't like them exactly i can handle anything Mm -hmm. well that's not true i can handle mice snakes anything higher up on the food chain yeah but the lower the worse off i i I, spiders and bugs i'm out no i'm out no yeah they're very very against them i've gotten better uh with gardening you kind of have to oh yeah Uh, i don't freak out all these yeah, like I don't freak out every time I see a worm anymore, or even daddy long legs. Like it's that's all okay. There are still there are certain bugs though that I'm like, nope, nope, fuck you. Roaches, I'm out. Roaches, I hate you. Roaches, roaches and yeah. spiders. Yeah. Roaches are disgusting. Yeah, there's no yeah, and flies. Roaches mm-hmm. and flies. I you know, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> I don't understand. They, pro- <laughs> they probably have a purpose. We just don't know what it is. Right. I know. Okay. So enough about that. What about you? What have you been reading and watching? All right. So I've been reading a romance. So I can't remember if we've talked before about, like, I think, I think I've mentioned before that I've wanted to start reading a little bit of a uh, gay male romance, but that's actually yes. written by men. And I was followed on Twitter recently by one of your fellow BSB authors, Frederick Smith. Nice. And then I followed him back. Nice. And I was like, oh, you have a new book coming out. All right, well, let's check that out. And so it's called Busy Ain't the Half of It by Frederick Smith uh, and his writing partner, Chaz Lamar Cruz. 
so there's actually two main characters who like you're kind of following their love story and their nephew and uncle. And so Elijah is the nephew. He's an actor and he actually is already in a relationship. He has a really loving boyfriend named Zaire. And they got together in a previous book called In Case You Forgot. For anybody who's wondering, rest assured, this book fully stands alone. It doesn't matter that they got together in another book. I didn't know. I haven't read it. It's uh, very easy to jump in at this point. And then Elijah's uncle, Justin, is this like really famous news anchor in LA. He's basically like reigned the airwaves at four and five for the last 16 years. He's known for a while that he's queer. He and his wife split up kind of for each of them to go find their own queer joy a few years prior. But given what a public figure he is, he hasn't felt like he can be out comfortably. He loses his job, though. And he's like, okay, now I can date. And it's just, I'm enjoying the dual perspectives and seeing kind of the shift back and forth between the two and seeing like in Elijah's case, his boyfriend wants him to move in with him. And he has a lot of angst over this because he's just kind of nervous about this idea. And then seeing Justin really like, okay, well, first of all, I'm out of work for the first time in 16 years. What do I do with that? He financially supports a lot of his extended family as well. Like what's that going to mean? But it's really kind of lovely seeing him embrace like, oh, maybe this is the time for me to see if there are men that I want to date. He seems to be buy or pan, which is also, I mean, I'm always happy to see buy and pan representation. So yes. I'm really enjoying it. And so far I do recommend it. I'm probably about 30 or 40% of the way in. I had a really hard time putting it down last night. I may have stayed up a little bit later than I should have, but it's quite good. The other book that I just finished, and if you can get it in audio, absolutely get it in audio, is Just Kids by Patti Smith, and it's read by Patti Smith. Oh, cool. It's so freaking good. I think it came out in 2010, and it won like a massive literary award, and I mean, rightly so, because she famously was in this like really kind of passionate relationship with Robert Maplethorpe uh, before he came out as gay. He died of AIDS, I think, in like 1989 or something like that. But before he died, he said to her, like, you need to write our story. And that's what this is. It's how did she like a bit about how she grew up and then how she moved to New York City and how like they met because they, they had met once in this store she was working in. But then she saw him when there was this creepy author dude that wanted her to go up to his apartment. And she sees Robert from afar and she's like, can you pretend to be my boyfriend? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And then he became her actual boyfriend. And it was just this like really passionate, but often tempestuous because, you know, he's trying to figure out his sexuality. They each have different partners. And I found it really beautiful, especially seeing how important they were to each other's lives, even when they weren't romantically involved anymore. And so I think for anybody who's interested in like, Again, that up and coming punk scene in the in the 1970s, you have if you haven't read this, you absolutely have to. If you're interested in, you know, queer artists, this is a fabulous one. Because again, Robert Maplethorpe, if you like autobiographies, like it's just it's so it's so good. It's really beautiful. Yeah, it's one of the best books that I've read this year for sure. And then I watched a film last night that I did a lot last night. I did. <laughs> I watched five hours of glow up and right? like did and read and like everything last night. That's right. So it's 
a documentary called Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood with the subtitle The Secret Lives of Classic Hollywood Stars. And it's by a guy, and I'm saying this slowly because I forget his last name. So it's about a guy named Scotty Bowers. And he was this like, you know, grew up in the Midwest farm boy type thing. I think his family moved to a city at some point. Yeah, right. Went off to World War II. When he came back from World War II, he went to L.A., where he worked at a gas station and very quickly started um, engaging in sex work with really famous uh, celebrities, but not only himself, people kind of realized that like, oh, he's good at fixing people up. And so he would connect men and women who were not just in Hollywood. There were also like politicians and whatever, but mainly Hollywood. And this book is really focused on Hollywood. Well, there's a book as well, which I'll get to that in a minute. But he was hooking up these really famous people who couldn't be out because, you know, in the 19, they explained that I think it came about in the 1930s that they started having morality clauses in contracts for like directors and film actors and actresses. And so they couldn't, anybody who was queer couldn't be out anymore in a way that they previously had been able to. It was, they, they, they showed this side of Hollywood that had been actually like quite hedonistic prior to that point, which I never knew and found really interesting and surprising. And he referred to, he referred to the acts themselves as tricks, but then he referred to some of the sex workers as tricks. And so it's a little hard to kind of, it's like, how do I use the language he was using in a way that's going to make sense? I don't know that I actually can. So yeah, he would connect, you know, really famous actors and actresses. Typically, for the most part, he was talking about with same-sex sex workers so that they could actually continue to experience the kind of sexual encounters that they wanted to in a way that was safe that they couldn't do publicly and out in the open. And I thought it was, I was kind of of two minds about it because on the one hand, I mean, I I appreciate that he was able to give them that sort of freedom and safety and ability to have the types of sexual encounters that they needed and wanted to have, even if they couldn't have open relationships. But I also wonder, is it okay that he's outing all of these people? Because he was talking very, very frankly about like Charles Lawton and Cary Grant and Cary Grant's boyfriend, whose name I can't recommend, uh, I can't remember. Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn was the one, I mean, I had heard about, the reason I heard about this film was I heard it referenced in relation to her being a lesbian, which I only learned about a few years ago. And for me, she was my favorite, favorite, favorite actress from when I was 14. Like I saw the Philadelphia story and I was just fucking sunk. Like I had to see as much of her stuff as I possibly could. And of course, now as an adult who understands my queerness, I'm like, is there a part of me that saw something? Probably, for sure. And connect, like, but what do you think about the idea of like, is it okay for him to do a tell-all like this? I think that is a tough question because I think the, I think the temperature of just queerness in Hollywood and queerness in life now obviously is a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, to where you can I don't maybe yes maybe yes I am okay with it 
uh, I feel like when you're in Hollywood, you're in the spotlight. That's what you want in life. You know, you want to be famous. You want to whatever. And you kind of give up privacy. That's just a thing that happens. You don't want to, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe once you're gone from this world, like, I don't care if the world, you know, knows that I'm gay, but, you know, it's not going to hurt anybody, or is it? Is it going to hurt somebody? Is it hurting people? I don't, I don't know. And he actually responds to, so I said there was a book and I haven't read the book yet. I've just started listening to it. My library has a copy of it and he's at a book signing though. And somebody comes up and basically says, how dare you share this? Uh, And it's not somebody who is connected to any of them. It's just like a concerned member of the public. And so Scotty says, well, I wanted to do it so that people could understand that, you know, Hollywood was actually a lot more queer than people realize. And I'm paraphrasing here, um, but he basically said so that people don't feel alone because this book was also published in 2012. And I also get that like 2012 is very different from 2021 when I'm watching it now, although I still feel generally kind of strongly that you don't out people. I mean, there's one person I would love, 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 love (laughs) to out. Out. And it's, somebody in politics and i'm not going to say who it is oh, you'll have to tell me later because you know i can't. I don't want to get a letter Ooh. is a thing right like i do not want to get so i will tell you later <laughs> but yeah I mean, and the so he was telling the guy this right and the guy said well what if what about their families what if they don't want them to know that they were gay and he just shot back immediately well, what's wrong with being gay? Right. That's what I'm saying. Why? Why? I don't. I mean... <laughs> My microphone was like, fuck yes. And it did, decided to drop at that moment. <laughs> you did drop the mic. I did. Oh, literal mic drop. I didn't even touch it. The mic dropped itself. What's wrong yeah. with being gay? Boom. Oh, That's let's true. catch it and put it back up. We're recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I kind of see that too. I mean, I understand the rights of a family. Like, like if somebody said, like my grandmother or grandfather was was gay how, how would that be? you know this is mm-hmm. exactly what's happening in the show called the white lotus on hbo mm. this uh the character who happens to be the main character one of my recommend and my big recommendation this week he's in this mo- in the uh, series and he finds out that his father died of aids mm. back in like 1989 maybe 90 something mm-hmm. and he this whole time he thought his dad had cancer they told him that his dad had cancer and so then his uncle calls him and they're to, oh, kids to wish him a happy birthday or something. And, or he, or no, he, he had a cancer scare. So he called his uncle to find out what kind of cancer his father had. He's like, what are you talking about? Your dad had AIDS. And so he had to deal, he's on vacation with his family and he's trying to deal with the fact that he might have cancer. Plus that, find out that your dad is gay, you know, that is died because brutal. of AIDS. And so, yeah. So. So there's that whole thing. I guess I'm being heartless by saying that it's okay. But at the same time, would I be okay if somebody in my family was gay or there's Mm -hmm. something controversial about them if that came out? Like, how would I feel about it? But I agree with him. I mean, it's not wrong to be gay. It's not bad to be gay. So that's a good retort. I support that that response. I think so too. Now, the one thing I, I walked away from it really wanting to know though was like, how did Scotty identify himself? He never placed a label on himself, the whole film. And it's clear 
that he had slept with hundreds of men but he's married like we meet his wife and she didn't know anything until the book (laughs) no he never told her no he never told her they got married in 1984 and he had had another partner before that who was a woman who they were like all but married and they had a child together and everything like that but it sounds like he either it's not super clear. He either got out of the business or he changed up how he was involved in it when the AIDS crisis hit. Okay. And then, yeah, he got married to her in 1984, but she was like, I kind of, at one point she said something about how she kind of wished she knew before they got together because she doesn't know how she would have handled that information. That's true. That's a tough one. Yeah. Like I thought it was really interesting. But don't you think that if you're like really in love with somebody, you would kind of know like they if they had a past that hundreds of people slept with them or you would just well, know like some random people would come up, Hey, thanks for hooking me up with Bob. I really appreciate it. Or, you know, phone calls, like phone calls in the middle of the night. Who was that? Oh, it was, you know, Regina. Okay, you know, I don't know. I mean, this guy was he was a vault until he wrote this book. He was a total vault. Unless they lived like largely separate lives, there are some partners that do that, right? Or maybe he was he wealthy? Is he wealthy? Was he wealthy? He has two houses in LA. Now, there's one that he bought with all of the money that he made doing well, celebrities mostly uh (laughs) no judging i mean good for him and and he was very clear that is where he got the money from because he talked about how he would charge twenty dollars a trick and he's like i bought this house with all those twenty dollars and then the other one was gifted to him this is the other part that i've been left wondering since last night because he talks about this guy he was an actor in like they're not even b movies they're like whatever's under that (laughs) Um, and he basically described him as being like his top customer. And then somebody else talks about how that guy described him as being his lover. And this guy left him two houses. Oh, wow. Yeah. One, which I think he sold. And the other, when he dies, reverts to this guy's nephew, who is Corbin Burnson. Yeah. And then left him like a bunch of other stuff. And I'm like, you don't just leave somebody that much unless there's there's something right so i'm sure this guy is dead but like i'm just i have questions and i'm hoping the book is going to answer my questions i will report back i do need to give some absolutely massive 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 content warnings or trigger warnings for this documentary there's two particularly difficult things that it talks about the first he talks about how his daughter died because of a botched abortion um yeah so he doesn't go into extreme detail or anything like that but if that's likely to be a trigger for you you might want to avoid and he also talks about being molested as a child and also that he kind of goes on from there to charge priests for sex when he's a fairly young boy probably around 10 or 11 oh my god yeah it's so it was very very jarring because you spend the first half of it, this, I mean, this was my experience anyway. I spent the first half of it going, 
oh yeah okay he fucked all these people he fucked all these men in hollywood okay no big deal uh, oh okay and he also arranged all of these liaisons uh, okay that's fine and then you get to like he, he talks about how his childhood is very happy and he describes those sexual experiences as positive and the interviewee interviewer even says do you realize that what you're describing most people would describe as abuse and it's just this clear dissonance between between him and then how everybody else perceives it and oh the other cool thing about him i feel like i'm giving everything away uh but (laughs) but the other cool thing about him is that he was interviewed by dr kinsey a bunch of times oh wow and so talked about how he helped contribute to kinsey's research fascinating so but here's another thing too so like Mm -hmm. if you write a book and you add a bunch of people and stuff i mean how do you know what's real like is it true I wonder if that's part of why they did the documentary because he brought back some of the old tricks or rent boys or whatever you want to call them, I guess. And a few of them were like, yeah, I read it. It's all true. Okay. Like I yeah, kind of, that would be my fear or my, my, oh yeah, that's not true. How do we know this, you know, type thing. Right. Well, although, I mean, in some cases, I think some are not going to be surprised. Like everybody knows that rock Hudson was gay. And then I think right. it's a fairly open thing about right. Cary Grant and even Catherine Hepburn. It makes me kind of want to go back and reread the autobiography that she read through this different lens. Cause I know she talked about like growing up wearing pants and right. telling her family to call her Jimmy. And I think it was a different book that I believe I even have in my basement. Cause like I said, massive, massive fan uh, it came out shortly after she died, but I saw somebody reference it in that, in an article I read recently where she's being interviewed and she's talking about her personal secretary. And she said, She's the Alice B. Toklas to my Gertrude Stein, which I think is one of those, like, if you know, you know. Right. So I think he was probably telling the truth there. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So I, I, I think there's an interest. We have so, we put so much into Hollywood mm-hmm. and we're so interested in actors and actresses and, and their stories and how they got to where they are. Yeah. And I mean, top 10, how many of your top 10 lists is, is either an actor or an actress. I have a lot of singers. I have a lot of musicians. I have. A do lot you? Of actresses. I do. Okay. Which ones? Oh, we, can, we can't because, <laughs> you know, it's obviously going to change after every time I watch something new, it rotates, people rotate in and out. Who's sure. your most recent? Who's my most, uh, most recent musician? Sure. Or most recent musician. Well, one person who is always on my list and has been ever since I was a wee little tiny teenager, mm-hmm. I say teenager, Natalie Merchant. And oh, I think yeah. It's, I think it's the voice. It's for sure the voice and mm-hmm. just the the words and the beauty. And I'm just, I, I love, I love when a musician has a song and you think it's a beautiful song and then you listen to the words and you're like, fuck. And it's about something totally different and you don't realize <laughs> it until you're older and you're singing uh, it and you put the words together, you know, uh, Dar Williams is like that as well. Oh, I so, love her. I love Dar. Oh my God. The ocean. That's one oh, of the best songs great. ever. I know. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Dar Williams. We need to get Dar Williams on the show because I have been a darling since the nineties. Like I was two and I was a darling uh, at two. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm trying to think when I started. You know, I probably was since the very, very end of the 90s. For me, I think I almost want to say it was 1993, and I want to say it was. Uh, I can see this CD 
had the CD. I can see the CD cover of her. But it's not really her. Like, I was like a big song. And I oh, yeah. Excited. Also that, gorgeous. Right. Like, I mean, name a song that's horrible by Dar. You can't. It's impossible. Like, no, there's the just Christians... like my favorites or the rest of them. Right. Exactly. So. Like, oh, the, the Christians, Christians and the, the pagans? pagans. That yeah. is a brilliant song. I, mm-hmm. I. Like, I love that song so much because it makes me laugh every time I hear it. Every single time. Love it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. So Dar's on my list. And it was so funny because I, uh, I went to her concert in Lawrence. Lawrence, Kansas, believe it or not, is mm-hmm. a big kind of mecca of up-and-coming musicians or musicians that come through, especially folk music. Yeah. And I was having a nice dinner. Uh, one of my friends and I went and had dinner before the Dar concert. And she's, like, sitting in the next table over. And we're just like, what's everybody else? What's that? <laughs> you know, I I'm the kind of person that I did. You totally go meet her? Cool. Oh yeah, I've met her several times. So, but it was funny because we're like, "Hey, do you want to come join us?" Because she was all by herself, and I'm like, "Do you want to come join us?" Because like, I didn't get up and go over there. I'm like, "Hey, Dar, you know, do you want to come join us?" I mean, in mm-hmm. a nice way, not a disrespectful like, "Woohoo, Dar!" It wasn't like that. Did but she? She no, she didn't. But okay. she thanked us, and it was really sweet. She was a very very nice person, and mm-hmm. um, like, and that was like the time. When in college, you know, you're trying to find out, am I queer? Am I not queer? And Mm -hmm. Dar Williams kind of flipped it on you. And then it's so funny because her concert, she goes, cat's out of the bag. I'm straight. Yeah. Didn't everybody think she was gay? (laughs) Everybody thought she was gay. And so she goes to this concert. We're laughing. Because, you know, like by that time, you know, you kind of grew with her and you knew, Mm -hmm. found out more about her. And of course, the Internet is, you know, a vast vacuum of information. So. You found out more about her. You know, this was a time before you could find out a lot of stuff on people. You know, so I think there's just a curiosity. We want to know mm-hmm. who's gay. We want to know, like, who can I put on my list? <laughs> and, you know, this is important stuff. Like, if I could meet them, you know, mm-hmm. up, that kind of stuff. So so I do have a lot of musicians. And I think I think Dara would probably be on my list. That's just fair. In and out. Yeah. Oh, I mean, her voice. It's amazing. It deserves a spot just fun. there. She's just a fun person. You could tell she loves her job. Yeah. She loves doing what she does. And, and I love that people are like that who don't take it so seriously and have a good time. And I just, yeah, I'm, I'm a darling for sure. Mm-hmm. So Chris, what is yes. your official recommendation? Okay. My official recommendation this week is a movie called Cowboys. And you could rent it on Amazon Prime. I think it's like $3.99, maybe. Director and writer is Anna Kerrigan. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read you a little blurb, movie blurb. Somebody needs to tell me what this thing's called. It's not a movie blurb. Synopsis? What is it called? I don't know what it's called for movies. I'm going to call it a blurb. You do that. Okay. A troubled but well-intentioned father who has recently separated from his wife runs off with his trans son into the Montana wilderness after his ex-wife's refusal to let their son live as his authentic self. Okay. That sounds pretty. I know. So this is um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name because we're you and I are really bad at like yeah we're just gonna wing it and <laughs> his name is his name is Steve Zahn maybe Z A H N oh yeah Zahn? I think that I think that is his name Zahn he he's he's also he's the one I was talking about in the White Lotus the HBO series like he's oh, the yeah. person who is he was in like a bajillion different shows and you recognize his face. Yeah, one of those, hey, been, it's that guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He's never, like, really been, like, up front and center and, you know, a movie that stands out. 
he plays Troy, who is a big-hearted guy with a drinking problem. He's bipolar, and he has a record, a prison record. So you would think, you know, just by saying all that, you're like, oh, he's a little sketchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you love him. You absolutely learn to love him because even through all of his problems, he has a, he, his heart is true. Like you see the love he has for his son and he'll do anything he can to keep that relationship going. Like he's just a good dad. And Sally, he was once married to Sally, who's played by Jillian Bell. Do you know who Jillian Bell is? Oh, I feel like I do. Okay. She, again, just like Steve has been in a bajillion different movies mm-hmm. and usually is kind of a funny character, but plays a really serious role in this in this movie. Mm-hmm. So on the weekends, despite any court order, she allows Troy to see his. OK, now this is where it gets tricky. Child she allows allows him to see his child 10 years old. Their child is 10 years old. And so Sally knows that it's important to the child that they maintain their relationship. So she allows it, even though he's just kind of unpredictable, because you never know if he's on his meds. You never know, like, if he's done something wrong. She's just kind of trusting him to, you know, because she trusts him with the kid. So she's okay to let him see the child. So this, I'm going to tell this, this whole recommendation in a series of quotes because i think all right writing on this was really really good mm-hmm. so okay their son's name is joe which is short for josie and he's depressed and he wants to wear jeans and play with toy guns and slingshots but he's not allowed to he's not even allowed out of the house unless he's wearing a dress and sally's very adamant about it so when joe and troy are sitting in his pickup truck Mm -hmm. Joe says, I'm not a tomboy. A tomboy is just another kind of girl. I'm not a girl. I'm a boy. Sometimes I think aliens put me in a girl body as a joke. I'm not confused. I've known my entire life, and it's not my fault. Mm -hmm. And it's just beautiful. And at first you see Troy going, ah, you know, I'll talk to your mom. You won't have to wear dresses. And he's like, no, I'm serious. And I love that this 10-year-old child has that much trust, that much trust in her dad and their relationship that she can come out like that. He can come out like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. It was just a beautiful moment. So Troy goes in and talks to Sally and says, look, we really need to talk about this. And Sally's like, it's just a phase. Everybody goes through phases and she'll be fine. Like she's adamant about calling her son. She, her name is Josie. Oh, just constantly misgendering and dead naming. Completely dead naming. And, when they're having this conversation, it gets heated, of course. Mm-hmm. And he, Troy, the dad, he's just like, you know, we have to do this. We have to let Joe be who he wants to be, who he is, who he really is. Mm-hmm. And Sally's like, look, you don't get to be the good parent here. You know, Josie, Josie sees you and you're off having a good time with your friends and you go and you party and you drink and you camp and you shoot guns and you're just a cowboy and that's what Josie sees so Troy says this is not about you like it's a brilliant Mm -hmm. line like it is not about you this is about our son I love that Mm -hmm. line so Sally like kicks him out says it's it's best that you don't spend time here for a while let's just like no you don't you don't get to see Joe 
she goes into Joe's bedroom, who, of course, you know, heard this whole thing. Yeah. And says, God has a plan for you. Follow God's plan. Oh, but no. Of course, she brings in religion to this. And so um, <laughs> anyway, so one of the fights, Joe grabs a scissor, a pair of scissors. You know, the parents are fighting. Mm-hmm. So he grabs a pair of scissors, runs into the bathroom, locks the door and cuts off his hair. Mm-hmm. Real short. Mm-hmm. cute absolutely adorable cut but still so when troy goes back to try to visit sally says i'm just starting to get joe back to normal and he gets mad and he's like joe isn't a lump of clay you can just pound into something mm-hmm. you know joe is joe and we can either accept that or we can fuck him up mm-hmm. and the mom's like you messed her up so this is all going down and so he's just like troy's like I- i'm out so he gets in his car and another fight and Joe comes running out and he's like, dad, I want to go with you. Take me with you. So gets in the car, locks it. And he's really thinking about it. And the mom, Sally's like, look, if you leave, I'm calling the cops. Of course she is. Yeah. Cause you know, you're kidnapping our child. They have a custody have no arrangement. Rights. Yeah. Right. And it's not even court ordered because of his record and his, you know, unstable, yeah it's she just like lets him see him just because she knows that they love each other so much mm-hmm. so that's like the one redeeming thing about sally troy decides to go ahead and run away with joe to canada there's no plan yeah so oh, something dear. happens and he gets off meds his meds troy because mm-hmm. he's bipolar i think he's bipolar and so he gets off his meds and it's real obvious to joe joe's like what's going on dad you know you're different and you know he's trying to look let's just get to canada we'll work it out everything's fine so their truck breaks down and he sees a friend and uh, a friend in the i don't know neighboring area and steals his horse and they go off to canada they try to okay they're on their way to canada on a horse on a horse and get this fuck me aunt lydia from handmaid's tale Uh, is uh the cop slash fbi slash ranger who chases them and the whole time, I'm like, that's Aunt Lydia from Handmaid's Tale. Anyway, there's three ways that this movie could end. Three ways. Only three ways. Right. That this movie could end. And it ended better than I expected. So, I recommend it. Does Joe get to be Joe? Well, I think everybody has to watch the movie to find that out. <laughs> She's nodding, people. <laughs> Because I want to make sure that it's actually going to be safe for trans people who want to watch it. It's great. I would not recommend a movie that wasn't safe or a good ending. Truly, the best possible ending came out of this. Good. The whole time I'm like, something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. Something bad does happen. But it's the best bad case scenario. Best worst case? Worst best case scenario. (laughs) Whatever. It's one of those. But anyway, <laughs> so that's my recommendation. What about yours? What is your big recommendation this week? Okay, so I was thinking about it and I had not finished anything recently, like since the last episode that I was like, oh yeah, that's going to be the one. So then I thought, okay, what have I loved that I haven't recommended yet? And I was like, oh, shit. Ooh, I have a brilliant idea that I think would tie nicely with talking about the documentary that we talked about and it is a lesbian pulp novel called bebo brinker by ann bannon and for people who have heard the name and are like but i thought that was the name of a character it is both the name of a character that shows up in a bunch of her books 
And it is also the name of the prequel to all of the other books. And I am recommending the prequel. In this one, we see who Bebo is when she shows up in New York City. She kind of comes from that farm life. I think her name was actually Betty or something like that when she was growing up. But she gets to New York City and starts to kind of figure out, oh, no, maybe I'm queer. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, you're absolutely a lesbian. And you're going to become like (laughs) the butch that millions of women dream about (laughs) for decades. And in this particular book, just as she's sort of figuring out, yes, I'm a lesbian, she just happens to meet this actress who's in town and her name is Venus Bogardis and she's bisexual and they take up this really passionate affair. Bebo goes with Venus out to out to California and it's kind of like a what happens from there. And I think it actually does kind of pair nicely if you do want to watch that documentary um, because you sort of see like what does this closeted actress have to do? She's married. Her husband knows about all of this happening. And it's like, what are the rules for making it work in Hollywood at that point? So I read that one last because you can actually pick up all of her books minus one that's gone way out of print and is never coming back because it's about a brother and sister being together for some reason. Pulps were weird. Pulps were wild. (laughs) Anything could happen in pulps. But the rest of her books, you can get, actually, I got an ebook omnibus of all five of them. And I think it's about $20 which is not bad, like for five books. And I actually recommend getting the whole omnibus. I loved most of it. I'll explain what I didn't love in a minute. Um, but it starts with Odd Girl Out, which is where we first meet Laura. And uh, Laura and Bebo end up together, like in the later books. Um, but this is where Laura and her roommate, Beth, kind of fall for each other and they have this affair in college and it goes on from there. Like they're all, they're all lesbian pulps, but actually written by a woman. Very, very raw. Just, I was shocked at how they didn't feel incredibly dated. I mean, in some ways they are obviously very dated because they are the products of their time. Odd Girl Out, I think came out in 1957 or 1958. It was the second best-selling paperback of its year wow! not of the pulps just like of all the paperbacks and i had the opportunity to interview ann bannon for my old podcast let's do books and i think it's the it's probably the interview that i'm still proudest and most excited of that i did i did a lot that i'm tremendously proud of over there but it was so incredible to talk to her for an hour And she talked about all the letters she got from lesbians saying, I thought I was alone. I didn't know that I wasn't the only person that was like this. Like she saved so many lives. And even another interview that I was quite proud of doing, Catherine V. Forrest talked about how Odd Girl Out saved her life. Like that was the book. Like she, she had thought about jumping off the bridge in Detroit. And like I said, I grew up Windsor, Detroit. I know the bridge she's talking about. Um, But she read that book and it helped her see that she wasn't alone. And she then went on to write like the coming out book for an entire generation of lesbians with Curious Wine. So like the footprint that Ann Bannon has is mighty. Yeah. 
It's incredible. And I absolutely well worth reading. The one thing that I'll say is there's one book in there that is fucking dark and it is real, real rough. It's called Women in the Shadows. I've read interviews where she talks about how she took all of the angst that she had being in a deeply unhappy marriage to a man and like shoved it in that book and put all of it onto Bebo. And so I think before you go on to read, if you do go to pick it up, you need to understand that themes include, and like I said, massive, massive trigger warnings for alcoholism, domestic violence in a lesbian relationship, corrective rape gets brought up, uh, two dogs get murdered. And the, the, like, we get full ass details about one of them is horrifying. Oh, but I mean, it does also show and it's not just that book I, um, it shows an inter an interracial relationship which i think is pretty progressive for them uh especially we see i don't think it's just in that one but like we actually see a lavender marriage which is like a marriage between a gay man and a lesbian um so that they can kind of move safely and have their dalliances but have that security and protection of a marriage there so feel free to Skip that one unless you are an absolute completionist. I am sometimes a completionist and I was here. I didn't enjoy the book, but I found it impossible to put down. So I don't know if that's, that's not really an endorsement as much as I'm just sharing information. But the other books were all, I love them. And especially Odd Girl Out and the one called Bebo Brinker. I think both, both of them were just so incredible just like really great kind of records of what it could have been like to be a lesbian in the 1950s and 60s. None of them are romances um, is the other thing that I'll say. It's fiction. Yeah, it's, Army. it's yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's fiction, but uh, I would say that they, they're not romances, nor can you actually expect romance out of pulps at that time anyway, because it, I'm trying to remember, Rachel Spangler talked about it because she talked about Vin Packer's book. What was it called? Spring Fire or something like that. Yeah. But Vin Packer also wrote a pulp that came out not too long before Odd Girl Out, but it was definitely before. And about how they couldn't have happy endings. Like that was why, like there were legal reasons yeah. to do with like, you couldn't ship the books out of state if there was a happy ending in a same-sex couple. And so that's why there's all these books where there's some kind of a punishment, whether it's, well, there's definitely going to be some kind of a breakup, um, but they're, they're either going to be institutionalized. One of them's going to be killed. One of them's going to kill themselves, like something like that. And that doesn't happen here. Good. Odd girl out. No, Laura and Beth are not able to be together. And I don't feel like that's really a spoiler given the historical context of happy endings are not allowed. But to me, I found the ending to that book so hopeful Same and hope. inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Hope. It's my, it thing. Was, it's my thing. That's our theme. So yeah, definitely go get yourself the Bebo Brinker omnibus. And if you, even if you only read the first and last books in that collection, you're going to have a good time. Those, they're just beautiful. They're beautiful. They're so good. That is all for this episode. Thank you. Thank you so much to everyone for joining us. If you have enjoyed the show and you have not subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast so you can get a notification every time we release an episode. And if you do have a friend that you think would like the show, please go ahead and tell them all about it. We would love to 
come at their ears as well. I don't <laughs> know why wanna... I said it like that. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. And if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, uh, look for Queerly Recommended on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and follow us or email us at uh, podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the, I'm pretty sure that's the voting age. I think so. Podcast is, you know what, by the end of the year, it's going to be ready to rent a car in the United States. It's going to be ready to run for president. How old do you have to be? 35. That'll be next year. Ready? Uh, next year. Okay, back. Because we're doing them every other week. Yes. What is, it's already, oh, it's almost, it is August. <laughs> oh, yeah. where's the time gone? Yeah, so yeah. next year we'll be able to to run for president.